Hey guys, you're here with Dr. Molly and Todd Rowland. And we're bringing you the podcast, the business side of the pet industries. Today, we have a crossover episode with Mary Aquendo, creator of Positive Education and then host of Women Petpreneurs. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. So welcome to another, this is a crossover episode. So not only is this, your host is Women Petpreneurs as myself, Mary Aquendo, but we are doing a crossover podcast with the podcast, the business side of the pet industries. And I'm Dr. Molly Rowland. And Hello. Bob Rowland. And Todd's here too, off camera. Okay, so Dr. Molly Rowland? Yes. Um, yeah, I have my doctorate in organizational leadership. Um, and so I'm in management and organizational leadership to be a little more specific. Um, I actually got my did my dissertation on female employee turnover in the pet grooming industry. So I did a, a pretty intense two-year study over turnover. Um, and it just had to be so specific that I could only choose one gender. So I went with females since we were nine tenths of the the population in the grooming industry at the time. Um, so it was it was great. I had to really go in-depth interview a lot of participants and see the reasons they were. And I did it from two levels, both like the employee level and the management owner level. So I really got to find out what people thought, um, why they were leaving, the issues surrounding that, what management saw, what they thought. Um, so it was it was a really good thing. I ended up with what I call the employee turnover model, the ETM, and it's just basically the four negatives and four positives. So the main reasons groomers are leaving, and then the main reasons you um, things you can do that groomers are looking for to kind of stay. You know, the as we notice, there's like a huge turnover. There's a, a lot of job dissatisfaction going around, around especially um, we saw that amp up during COVID. So um, that was just a study that I thought was near and dear to me and, you know, our business, but then the industry as a whole too. All right. So what were the, tell me the takeaways from that. I'm very curious. Yeah. So the main takeaways are uh, culture. Groomers are not getting the positive culture they need in the working environment. Um, and that's something they, you know, seek and that's top priority almost. Um, continuing education. So that's one of the main reasons that we kind of got into the podcast is, you know, we've seen a lot of the, some of the negativity and just a need for even more education, more people sharing the networking, just the positive side of that. Um, and so uh, with that, not just the networking and things, but um, business owners not providing continuing education, not providing in-depth onboard training, not just things like that. So they felt that was a big gap. And that's that's really important to groomers from what we found. Um, as far as flexibility and overworking, um, too many big dogs um, every weekend, late hours, open and closing, you know, just not the, there's no work-life balance allowed at a lot of uh, places from the groomers we talked to. So those are, those are probably the top three big ones. Um, and so basically it was just, you know, these are the negatives. This is what we're seeing. And then, you know, it went in depth about how to kind of focus on those and bring them up. And then the last big one, the fourth thing we saw was cleanliness and safety. So, uh, you know, um, not enough cleanliness, not enough safety measures. And with that, it, you know, a lot of mold in salons, a lot of um, not allowed to muzzle, having to take dogs you're not comfortable with or that are aggressive, ending an injury. So just, um, so it was a it was a really good study. I've really got a lot out of it. Um, 
And so that's, we actually teach a class on that and building a better team. And it's based on that. It's an in-depth study of kind of go over that four-part positive and negative model from that study. You know what, that's, you know, really hits home for me too, because I originally started off at, at Petco. And when I first started at Petco, for me, it was a great job. It was a great job because the store manager uh, was hands-off. You know, he was like, you know what? I don't know anything about this. I don't want to know anything about this. I just want you to make money, make the decisions, and we're good. And that was really great. Nice. Okay. But, but this is part of the issue when you're working for, I don't, I don't think it's limited to a chain, working to a chain. I think it hits on a lot of points is that one, they wanted us to work all crazy hours. Okay. Right. Um, taking time off was, well, it could, could be difficult if it was a day they wanted you to work, okay? You know, for example, is I wanted to go to a trade show. This is why I actually left. Okay. okay? So I wanted to go to Groom Expo. It was a huge trade show, and I was willing. I was paying for everything. I was paying for my classes. I was paying for hotel, travel, all of that. And the only thing I asked was not to make me take my vacation time because, you know, the trade show fell on the weekends. Right. Okay. And they made us take vacation time. Yeah. It's like and it's I was something to, to better yourself for them, for that, your skills. Exactly. Because I had no intention of leaving. I was like really happy there. I was making money. In fact, the, the, the game plan had been the big plan at that time was, you know what? My husband had a great pension. So I wasn't too concerned about that. But we figured at some point when he retired, we'd go to like, I don't know, North Carolina was the, the thing that we that popped up. And I would just relocate. I would just transfer stores. Right. That was that was my that was my big goal at that time. Yeah. Okay? And what put the kibosh on that was is that you know I I get to Groom Expo and I'm paying for all this stuff. And at that time, the the chains all had booths at at the shows. Oh. Okay? Okay. So so they were there, you know, recruiting people to become groomers. And the people that were coming from corporate, you know, had hotel paid for, all their travel paid for. They didn't have to take their vacation time. Okay. And if they wanted to take classes, it was all covered for them. But for me, but these were not groomers. Right. Groomers had to pay for their education. Okay. And that the 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 kicker was is that I was I paid extra for the pet first aid class. And the guy's there and he's like, oh, sees my badge and says, sees that I'm from Petco and realizes, hey, this weekend teaching this class to all the mucky mucks. I paid an extra at that time, I think an extra 80 bucks for that class. I was so mad. I was so mad. I went to the show floor and I put a deposit down on a mobile grooming van. Wow. Yeah, I got my start in corporate um, as well. And it was, again, I'm thankful I got started there. You know, that's where I learned to groom. I wouldn't have really probably gotten into it otherwise. And I had been waiting tables. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to work through college, let me do something with pets. So I applied at all kinds of places and got a call back to be a bather and then went to grooming school about a month later. So that was good. But again, it was our store manager was not hands off. And so he was micromanaging. We did have a really good salon manager at the time that tried to do a lot of the buffer work. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was just sales, 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 over groom, overwork, you know, you were working through lunches, clocking out and not taking them. Like, you know, you'd go eight, 10 hours without going to the bathroom because you didn't feel like you had that five minutes just to walk to the back of the store. 
you know, everything was pressure. And um, so that was just something that I decided that I did not want to continue that. I And then I, I went on a deployment for a year. And while I was there, and you're literally told what to do every minute of every day, I just decided that the corporate role position was not something that I wanted to get back into. So when I got home, I basically just, I took what money I had, found a van and got started with, we call him OG Bob. He's like a 2000 E350 tank. And, you know, we still use it. He's still on the road today, but, you know, it's just, had it been a, a better environment, I probably would have never even thought to live to leave. I, I was the same thing. And I don't think if they had not pissed me off enough, you, I would not be sitting here doing a podcast interview. Right. Right. Because I was just really happy there, you know, but it's amazing when you're not happy and you, that all of a sudden things just, I'm a big believer in paying attention to the opportunities that come your way. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. So I pay attention to the opportunities that come my way. And it's just like the, and I remember when I got started in writing and I wasn't writing anything. All right. But um, let's go back. Let's go back, 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 back to the way back machine to Pet Groomer Town Hall, not to PetGroomer.com. Okay. Okay. And for those who are like a life of, oh, I was there too. So just so you guys know, I was working Chihuahua on Pet Groomer Town, pet, PetGroomer.com. Okay. So anyway, he puts out, it says, hey, I'm looking for some bloggers. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I can write. Okay. And I put in, hey, I would like to do this. And he accepted me as, as one of the bloggers. And that was the first time I wrote in the pet industry. Okay. Long before Groomer to Groomer magazine. Yeah. But what all do you write for now? I know you have the positive educational training and all of that. And then you do the Groomer to Groomer. Are there any of the other ones that maybe, you know, aren't so common or that, you know, we may not know of? For me? Yes. Uh, okay. Can I tell you what I am most proud of in this industry that I've contributed to this industry? Yeah, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> okay. So, um, well, first of all, it has to do with positive ed. All right. And I start, I actually started that in 2011 because I was teaching at trade shows at this point and not taking any classes because I was too busy either teaching or tired. You know, teaching, teaching can be, you know, this teaching can be a little exhausting sometimes. Yes, it can. So um, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of mental capabilities from you. And that, that can be really exhausting. So I'm, I'm finding I'm not taking education at trade shows that I'm at a lot of, okay. I'm at at least six or seven trade shows a year. Um, and I found that I was taking most of my continuing education online in other industries. All right. It's taking all my business classes, someplace else, tech classes, someplace else, because continuing education online in 2011 was commonplace in other industries, but not ours. Okay. So I wanted to do live workshops and that was first launched in 2011. So when I tell you I made all the mistakes, I made all the mistakes and I probably invented new mistakes to make and made them. Nice. So <laughs> it nice. happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what so, happens when you're kind of revolutionizing something within an industry. So, you know, fast forward and, you know, I launched actually, I launched a total of three times, each one, you know, a little bit better than the others. But the last launch that I did was in 2018. And then, um, and I'm doing fine. I'm doing really good with it. Okay. And then COVID, I'm doing well enough with it that, you know what, I'm going to set, now I'm setting my retirement date for mobile grooming and I'm going to then devote solely to positive it, which I did. Okay. 
And so I retired in 2019. And then in the summer of 2019, moved out to Washington. And then March of 2020, COVID shut everything down. Yeah. Okay. So I'm watching my membership plummet because, you know, groomers are worried. They're worried about, you know, can I work? I'm not working. Uh, I got to cut expenses. So they're cutting my expense. Right. But they're also complaining about not going to trade shows anymore. Yeah. Okay. So I did the first online trade show two days. I had vendors, I had everything in the pet industry. And that just launched a whole new market in the pet industry. So that is probably my most proud moment and something that, you know what, um, I could say that's that, that was me. That was me who did that. So, so. Anyway, yeah, that is that is something to be proud of, because like you said, uh, groomers are used to going to these trade shows and things like that and getting that education in person. And then they don't see, you know, because there wasn't anything. So they didn't think about doing something like that online. So when you open up that opportunity and you're still connecting, you know, these people with these people and have a space, I don't know that that is definitely something to be proud of. So online education now in the pet industry and not just not just positive ed, by the way, there's a lot of opportunities to take online education um, and almost in anything. All right. So not just like business classes or safety classes, there's skill classes that you can take online. Yeah, we um, we use a program for our boarding um, kettle techs and it goes over. I mean, it's crazy how in-depth it is about you know, dog behaviors, how to maneuver, react, all those things. And it's, it's so specific and, you know, it's tailored just for the boarding industry. And I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's amazing. And it's like, we have these kennel techs come in that have no experience whatsoever. And it's like, after they go through that, and then, you know, you'll all of a sudden hear one number, they'll be like, oh, did I deflect that, you know, aggressive tendency correctly? And you're just, you look at them like, wow, you know, for someone who's never worked hands-on with pets before, you know, they're actually are learning the skills they need to to be safe and, you know, to enjoy their jobs and be able to do them. So, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of now is a lot of the younger groomers getting into online education to specifically teach the things they felt they should have been taught in grooming school. Yeah, that's a big feedback thing that we've been seeing too. It's oh, like, oh, they told us about this or we touched on this or, but, you know, I don't see this in my salon or I'm not allowed to do this yet. Or so, like you said, having the access to those online resources. And one thing I really like about the positive ed is the variety of stuff that you guys offer. I mean, you have so many industry you know, experts on there for all different things. You have the business stuff, you've got, you know, the... We did the um, the last weekend where it was, you know, looking forward to what are you going to do when you get out of grooming? You life, know? life after grooming. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's a it's a great place that you're not just finding, you know, the same stuff you're seeing over and over. And there's so much of it there in one place, too. Um, and then, too, with the Pet Pro Talk, like, that's a great a great thing that's going on. I think, you know, everyone's always, you always see in all these groups, everyone asking like, what's a good podcast? Where can I learn that? What's this? And it's just like, you know, you only see the same two or three being mentioned. So now it's like, you know, if they can get and see all those other ones, and even though there's some of them that aren't currently, you know, 
producing and stuff, they have older episodes. It's still nice to go in and listen to those and see what was going on at that time and, you know, the different discussions. I don't know. We, we've we really enjoyed going through some of those that we hadn't heard about before. Yeah, well, part of the reason why I wanted to do that is because I was not finding the podcast I wanted to listen to because I couldn't like just click a button somewhere. Right. Um, When I was at, oh, which which show was it? Hershey. It was Hershey. Hershey, not this year. Hershey, the year before. I said, when you're working with a corporation, the wheels turn slowly. But you know what? They they know what they're doing. Okay. So at that time, Chris Miller was with Head Edge, okay? And he and I sat down and we wanted to do something. Head Edge's issue is Boss Pet bought Head Edge. And for those of us who have been around for a while, knew that Head Edge really got on everyone's last nerve um, and customer service was in the toilet. So they bought a company and they wanted to revamp it wanted to get it back into what it used to be right okay so they needed to do something goodwill so my suggestion had been well you know what there's a lot of really great podcasts and podcasting is not that difficult to get into it's a could be a minimal investment um it is just sometimes people just don't know what the next step is right all right really really simple they don't they don't know what to do but there's also a lot of established podcasts out there. What if we just had a clearinghouse? What if we had a website where everybody could just go to and there'd be all the industry, pet industry podcasts there and you could just pick which one, all right? I think that's great because I can go and listen to podcasts I would not have thought of going to because I've now made it easy for myself yeah. to go <laughs> over to petprotalk.com and then now go through several of the episodes. Oh, this is really great. Now I can listen to, I can binge them and catch up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's something we've definitely enjoyed. Uh, there's a couple of days a week. I have a pretty long commute. And so it's like, you know, when you've got three or four hours a day in the car, then you know, you get quite a lot of time to listen to some of those. So yeah, we like having the access to all that. So and that's kind of how we were. We started this and, you know, it's just, we're, we figured it out as we went. And, you know, like you said, it's, People can't even sometimes find ours because you put in the podcast and it's like, there'll be the podcast, this, the podcast, that, or that at Paul's. And, you know, sometimes if you don't have it exactly specific to us, you know, we have people all the time. Oh, we can't find it. We can't find it, which now we've got the links and everything available to send and we, you know, they can find it on the pet pro talk, but it is hard to find what, and even if you search in there, you just put in dog grooming or dog groomer or dogs, it's like half of them won't even show up. Well, yeah, and not only that, for some reason, I think the, the we've been categorized as like health and beauty. So when we we listen to one, the suggested podcasts on the side all have to do with like hair and skin and makeup, right? And like that's great, but that's not what I'm looking for. Exactly, no. <clears throat> so um, I'm pretty excited about that. I know. So if anyone's interested in wanting to do a podcast, I am actually the person who contact. Okay. They're also starting blogs up on that site as well. Oh, okay. That'll be, that'll be good too. Blogs being, and they're like really specific. These are like short blogs. These are like to the point. These are not articles and stories. They get to the point people. Yeah. Um, So that's my style of writing too, by the way. Okay. Okay. 
I will, I will get to the point. But anyway, so they're putting up a lot of an educational type um, site up there. So the the goal is they got the podcasts up there now. They're going to get the blogs. They're going to start offering at some point. Again, you know, wheels, things have to click. Right. And there's also the tech side of things, too. So it's not like it's not like our gang and let's put on a show and just do it. There's the, the technology behind it can be quite intense when you're doing a huge project. So the next step will be putting up some like free educational content, links to free educational contact content, and then maybe putting up some of their own like paid stuff. And this is Pooh Bear for those who are watching on YouTube. Oh, it's <laughs> Pooh Bear. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like I got something going on here, but you know, it's, it's Pooh Bear moving around. Has to be a part of it. Aww. He has to be a part of it. He lives in the sweatshirt. So, so what, um, um, what do you see that that's something that's, that'll be a lot of fun to see how that grows and develops. And I know that's something you're probably proud to be a part of that whole process. Yes. I, I and anything, my goal is if I could leave the industry better than what I got it in. Okay. So, so that's my goal. Um, and I want everybody I work with in the industry after I'm long gone, when they leave the industry, they've left it better than they got it in. And I, th- and I'm seeing that trend. I'm seeing a lot of the newer instructors, the newer um, teachers, I mean, really honing in on the things they feel is important that may have been lacking. I mean, I let, and let's be fair to conferences. Let's be fair to trade shows. Yeah. They can only do so much. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's two, three days of education and it's original show is done once a year. I mean, what's different about positive ed, it's monthly. It doesn't matter where you are. Right. But trade shows are original. They're in a place. Okay. So even if they offer different things at all of their trade shows, that means you have to travel to those places to do it. So, you yeah. know, pros, pros and cons, but I love trade shows. I can't imagine like not going to a trade show. Yeah, that's that's how we feel. And for us too, the, the good thing about a trade show is whether it's like one of the big ones or we'll have a lot of um, that'll come around Nashville and they'll just be like a one or two day something, either just a kind of almost a one-on-one setting or, you know, a small group setting. Or we've been to some like love groomers through one pretty close to us that it had a small little trade, you know, they had a, a booth set up. So it was like a little mini trade show and they still had different skills classes and things like that. It was, you know, an all day thing. So even sending, we've noticed ourselves or sending our team to even just a one or two days of education, it kind of helps that burnout. It kind of re-energizes, refocus, revamps. Like if someone's starting to kind of feel down or, you know, tired, burnout, need a break, it's like, okay, well, what do we have close by? Even, you know, if it's one or two hours, three hours, or we've sent some to online things, it's like, what can we do to kind of re-motivate you? And that's, that's all it takes is, you know, they just need that little break, see something new, hear something new. And they, you know, they come back just ready to go until the next one. Yeah. And again, it's why I like the traveling. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I have my local show now is the Tacoma Northwest and I could drive to that. That's great. Um, but every place else I have to now drive to an airport yeah. <laughs> somewhere. Um, and yeah, air travel can get a little much at times, but you know what? Um, 
if I, if I, I find that if I keep my shows to like maybe that six, seven mark, I don't get tired of doing it. Okay. You start getting past that. And now it's exhausting. And I feel for vendors who are doing 10, 12, 15 shows a year. Yeah, that can be a lot. That's kind of, we've got, there's a lot that we haven't been to because we're in Tennessee. So, you know, we've kind of hit up the ones around here, Pet Quest, Hershey, Groomed, you know, some more of the local ones to this side. But like we've, we're planning to go to Groom Expo West this year. Like we've looked at some of like the Northeast and some of those other ones. We did go to Texas this year, which we had to, we flew to that one. Um, but it's just kind of looking to see. And we thought about hitting up a lot of them this year. And so we're kind of vamping up for a, a busy season yeah. of expos. <laughs> and, and I find that the, um, the trade shows are really open to podcasters. Okay. So at all the shows that I have been to in the last year have allowed us to do a live podcast. Oh, wow. All right. So usually they'll just give us space to do it. All right. They don't maybe necessarily want us on the floor because it's either a distracting or it's too loud. It's like, yeah, I could see that. But maybe someplace a little quieter, we can announce, hey, we're doing it. And we could do like live podcasts. Yeah. Okay. That's, that should be a lot of fun. Are you, um, do you know what shows you'll be at doing those next year or do you not have that planned yet? I have some of it planned. Okay. Okay. So I will be at both groomed and super zoo. Those, those are, those are definite. I will be at the Colorado show, the Rocky mountain groom expo. Oh, great. Well, um, we'll be there too. We've got a couple of four hours and a two hour class. Um, that was our first one we did this year. Um, the first year this year too. And that was a great show. We've really enjoyed that. It's, you know, it's not as not so many vendors still in a smaller venue and we got to really talk and interact with a lot of the groomers and stuff there. So we, well, that's why I'm doing that show this year because I heard great things about it and I didn't do, I didn't do this year's because it was that one too many trade show. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't want to do a a new show when I had like no basis to go. I had no idea. Okay. But I'm doing a six hour mobile grooming class. And I'm also going to be a vendor there. Awesome. Okay. Um, So I am sure we could talk to Tina about doing a live podcast. Oh yeah. I'm sure that would be a lot of fun. Okay. Um, So if we, anyone who's doing a podcast and is going to shows, uh, let me know. All right. If it's a show I'm going to be at, I can directly talk to the people in charge and see if they can give us a space or a time to do it. Sometimes the location is not going to allow us to do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, But the trade shows themselves, I have found to be very, very open to doing it. It's advertising for them too, as well. Right. So it's win-win for everybody. Oh, yeah. Okay, so how long long have you been in the pet industry? When did you start? I got into grooming in 2011. So I've been doing it a little bit. What, but I think I just had over 12 years in July. So that was my 12-year mark. Um, again, got started in corporate just because I originally wanted to work with pets. I didn't even realize at the time how big 
dog grooming was or pet grooming. Like I came from a small town. Everybody had mutts or farm dogs that they didn't get groomed. I didn't know personally know anyone that took their dog to a groomer till I started college. And then, you know, it was a purebred and I was like, oh, they're fancy. And then it's like, you know, you now fast forward a couple of years and I'm back in, you know, living in a bigger city and start working at the corporate. And it's just like, there's just, you see the there, you know, farm dogs, mutts, whatever. It's not just more of, I always attributed dog groomers to more of the show world and, you know, the AKC, things like that, not just like your everyday pet grooms. And so that was eye-opening for me and I just loved it. Um, You know, I went from just something to do you know, my original plan in college was to be a high school English teacher. So, you know, it went from that to morphing into my own business that I was still planning on doing, but, you know, maybe not long term. And then from there, you know, we've just, it's expanded our whole life. It's, um, you know, we've got the mobiles, we got the salon, the boarding, we started the podcast. Um, Todd left his job in January and came on board full time for the, you know, just because it was, something that we both just felt very passionate about. And then, you know, we love our team. We love growing it. We love providing. And I don't know, it's just something that I had never, you know, thought about growing up, even being in the, in the pet, in any pet industry. And then, you know, to morph into that, I don't know. It's just, it's been something that I just never would have dreamt about. And it's so much better than I could have ever imagined. (laughs) No, I was 38 years old when I started working for corporate. And up until that point, I had only had short haired dogs. All right. And nobody around me had dogs that were anything other than short haired dogs. It wasn't until I was 38 years old that I realized that people took their dogs and then later their cats to be groomed. Okay. And what's funny is that when I started my business, I special I started out focusing on the large dogs, the golden retrievers, the labs, the shepherds, because they, the owners, what I found is is that the owners didn't want to take their dogs to the groomers because they're big and they're sloppy and they drool all over their seats, yada, 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 whatever. Okay. But I was probably, when I first started mobile, I would say probably a good 60% of my clients were actually golden retrievers. Wow. Yeah, we um I I kind of started with my special and aggressive dogs, bad dogs, dogs that had a hard time at the salon and, you know, cuz it was more stress-free. I had gotten a lot of the those kind of dogs in the corporate, you know. So I was like, uh, you know, I'll I'll focus on that and I just got really comfortable and really, you know, used to handling them and then when it was time for us to expand and give away some of my clients, you know, to other groomers. And it was like, they weren't able to. So that was a a training moment for us to like, go over, you know, make sure your groomers know how to handle aggressive dogs, make sure they can register, you know, the signs of uncomfortableness, nervousness, things like that. Um, I don't know, but we, I, we moved away from the specializing in that. And then we just kind of opened up to everything. And now we've got several groomers, you know, and they, that's one thing that that we kind of pride ourselves on is we don't and sets us apart from some of the other p- 
people around us is we don't make our groomers work certain hours, certain days, take certain breeds. Like they get to pick, you know, every groomer has stuff they're comfortable and not comfortable doing, and they all know their work-life balance. So, you know, they get to pick if they only want dogs under 35 pounds or if they want to groom cats or if they don't want to groom huskies or whatever it is. And I mean, I think finding what kind of your specialty is or what you want to do is important, whether you're starting or you're restructuring or you're starting to get burnt out, like find the, identify what you don't like doing and, you know, remove it so you can keep that passion. Oh, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. So when I was grooming in Connecticut, um, I had a good, strong network with a lot of the other area groomers because towards the end, my specialty was cats and the seniors. Okay. Okay. So I would have groomers send me their old dogs, you know, the dogs that they were no longer comfortable grooming, and they would send them to me. And we had a non-poaching policy. So they would send me, hey, you're the 14-year-old lab, but I don't touch the six-year-old lab. Right. You're sending me the 14-year-old lab. So non, non-poaching policy. Okay. Um, and they would send me their cats. Right. Um, not a lot of groomers in my area did, did cats at that time. And in turn... I would send them the ones I didn't want to do. Like, you know what? If you want a breed trim on your Bichon, I am not the groomer for you. Yeah. Okay. No, so sorry. Okay. And I would send them them. You know what? And everybody is happy. I'm happy. I'm grooming the dogs I want to groom. Yeah. The other groomers are happy. They're grooming the dogs they want to do. Owners are happy because they're getting the right groomer for them. Yeah. So networking is hugely important and don't be afraid of your area groomer. So this is, this is like my philosophy on it. If somebody, if a groomer doesn't want to talk to you, okay. If they're viewing you as competition, they don't have anything to offer you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. What you want are the colleagues. All right. Colleagues are so much better than competitors. Yeah. 100% agree. We, um, we talk about networking a lot because for us, I mean, it is, it's so important because the, even just somewhere to vent or to ask advice, or like you said, to send other places, you know, like we have a, a local group here, you know, we're in a small town now for our salon, but you know, there's multiple dog grooming salons, multiple borders at home groomers. And, you know, that's a, another one of those things, you know, either someone can't afford someone. So you already know someone that you can refer, they can afford or that senior pet or the cats, like we don't groom cats at our salon. And so, you know, we, but we have a local dog or dog and cat grooming place that we can send them to. So when you have those connections and then we've seen a lot too, um, especially with new groomers who might not necessarily have like all their backups and things like that. They'll say, Oh my gosh, my dryer went out. I do did order one, but it won't be here for a week. And, you know, well, someone will be like, okay, well, you know, if you need to come borrow one, come pick it up or, you know, their gallon of shampoo busted. And so they need to come get one. So yeah, that's what we like. There's enough dogs. Like we're not competition. Like, you know, we need to be supportive and help each other encourage, be there 
because you'll never know what you're going to go through. And there's probably someone that's already been through it, or at least someone that can understand that it's frustrating or that, you know, unexpected stuff comes up or just the heartaches of losing pets. You know, this has been a terrible couple months for our, our groomers on the whole. Like we've lost a lot of customer pets and customers in the last six months. And I mean, that's emotionally taxing too. So just having someone, you know, you can, that can relate to that is, you know, beneficial. Yeah, no, and that's a really good point too. I've had groomers like run into my saying, Hey, um, you don't have a stripping knife, do you? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Can I borrow it? Yes, you can. Um, but I have, as a mobile groomer, I have borrowed other mobile groomers vans for the day. Cause mine was, mine was in the shop. They've borrowed my van on my day off. I had a shop whose waterline burst and it was on my day off. So I literally drove my van to their shop and they were grooming their, their groomers were grooming in my mobile grooming van because you know what? I had water in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, it's just nice to build those connections. People just automatically want to think like that. People ask us all the time, oh, how many people, who do you compete with? How many people are you competing with? And it's like, well, we're not competing with anyone. Like we all have our own thing going on and, you know, we can work together now. That's not to say everyone's involved in that or everyone believes that, but for the most part, like that, all of our local groups are pretty good, especially our mobile group. You know, people put freeze warnings in there or, you know, they'll update road closures, even traffic. You know, it's, it's just amazing to see kind of the group come together. And most of these people we've never met in person, but we feel like we know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, reach out to your, your, your area groomers. And if they're happy to see you, they're your colleagues, okay? And I've always said, when I first started, probably the best marketing I did when I first started, go back to 2002, was like unheard of. So mobile grooming was not common at the time. I took a box, okay, I'm Northeast. So a box of Dunkin' Donuts over to the the vet hospitals. They would all come out, ooh and ah, over the van, over donuts, because, you know, Donuts make the world go round. (laughs) And literally, I have been retired four years, okay? I still get that occasional call now from a vet in the area because my number has not changed. Um, Do I know? Yes, Mary, I know you're retired. I know you're in Washington. Do you know anybody who who you can recommend? I'm like, it's been too many years since I've been there. I don't know who any of the new people are. Yeah. Okay? But for a long time, I would have vets only refer to me knowing that if I couldn't help them, I knew who to send their clients to. And that's the power of a donut. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've done the donuts to our vets um, a couple of times too. So yeah, it's, yeah. And that's another important thing is, um, making those connections even outside of the grooming industry, especially if you're mobile, like, we have a net, what we call our network, and it's our mechanics, our mobile mechanics, our air conditioning people, you know, our supply, our supplier. We just found a local distributor here and, you know, they'll come deliver on a Sunday if we need them to, you know, and it's just like you have to build those relationships, find those, show your gratitude, you know, like give them something Let so they're interested in getting to know you. And, um, you know, that just makes your life a lot easier when you have that that network whether it's inside or outside of the industry oh yeah yeah having a distributor come to you 
Yeah. Um, if there's delivering me stuff, there's a box of donuts and it's a go cup of coffee for them when they get to my place. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and here's another thing too, right? So as mobile, you know, like I'm don't have a I don't have a brick and mortar. Okay. So I was doing retail for, for a long time and they couldn't get the big truck of the distributors onto my street because it's a residential, yeah. it's a residential road. So they couldn't deliver to my house, but they would deliver to my vet. <laughs> and again, that's having good relationships yeah. with area people because you know what? The same distributor, they were buying from the same distributor. So they would deliver their order and my order at the same time. The vet, the um, Crystal would call me and say, hey, Mayor, your order's here. Come get it. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. A lot of places, you know, they won't do that, especially if you haven't built that connection. Okay. So anyway, um, I'll assume Molly froze and I'll keep talking unless it's the other way around. And then I'm just talking to dead air. Okay. Well, I so, can um, having those. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, but you're frozen on my screen, and I guess I'm frozen on yours. Okay, so I can hear you. You're frozen on. Yeah, but I can hear you fine. Oh well, now I can't hear you. Okay, I'm oh, back. Okay. That was there. We go. All right. So anyway, so let's talk a little bit about technology. Okay. Um, so yeah, we all use some sort of technology in our business, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it does not. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I love having backups of technology. Okay. Um, I started early enough in the pet industry in which technology wasn't there yet. And our online software just was basically glorified spreadsheets at best. Yeah. Okay. So I relied on paper and carried that through almost until to the end. All right. When I did add in technology, I still had my paper backup. All right. Because of technology, I can remember oh, a couple of years back, several of the scheduling um, software was using one particular service and that service went down. And if you didn't print out your schedules for a couple of days, nobody knew where they were going. Yeah. I can imagine the nightmare. We, uh, I was pen and paper when I started for the longest time, even when we had a couple of units going, I think as early as 2019, I think is when we first got our first software and we, we've been through several since then, but the one we have now, um, it is every morning we get an automatic email that has where everybody's going, who their clients are, what their schedule, you know, so it's like even if they freeze up or they go down, which we haven't really had with this software, but, you know, that used to be something our old software would go down for two or three hours. So it's like if you forgot to print someone's schedule or you forgot to, you didn't look and see who you had next. I mean, it it was just chaotic. So um I don't know. It took a lot for me to get away from the pen and paper, but now it, it's convenient. We don't keep the pen and paper as well. We just print, they get sent to our email every day, but I don't know. It it can definitely ruin your day or week or whatever when that server goes down and you don't know where you're going, who you're going. You don't even have a phone number to call and tell them you're not coming because <laughs> you don't know who you're supposed to call. 
Yep, 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 yep. So um, I was, and, and for mobiles, all right, it really say I'm a single mobile. I've never had employees. I didn't have a fleet. So only one who knew where I was going was me. Right. All right. And I realized that was a little bit of an issue because I was coming down a hill in the wintertime. And my van, of course, was, you know, big and white. Okay. At the time. And I remember driving down Long Mountain Hill Road. And the only thing like I was keeping me on the road was the snow banks were so high. And I was like very chokingly said to myself, man, if I go off the road here, they're not going to find my van to springtime. Okay. And then it was, oh no, if I go off the road here, they're not going to find my van to springtime. And my husband does not know where I'm at. Yeah. So I, what I started to do is, you know, make sure that I made a copy of my schedule and left it on the counter where I was going to be and owner contact information. So he can sort of like track me down where I was if I wasn't, I wasn't home. Yeah, that's a great idea. And uh, that's what we, uh, myself included when I was doing it. And now our team is we have to check in at every appointment because we are like all online based now, but that way we know and they check out and it links the time. So if someone's not where they're supposed to be or they didn't, you know, show up to something or they didn't, you know, someone's not hearing from them, we can at least see where their last location was and where they should have went from there. Um, And it is, it's a safety thing. And that's what, you know, how we present it. It's just like, you just, you never know, especially when you're out on those roads and weather conditions, or, you know, some of our groomers are out, you know, they work late or early in the morning. And it's just like, you want someone to know where you, where you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just kind of like on that whole safety thing too, because safety's always been my big, my big deal. And again, you know what? No one knowing where I'm at. I've always said, you don't have to groom anyone you're not comfortable grooming. Right. I can remember going to a client's house and the guy opens the door and I would I like to say his less than tidy whities. Yeah. Oh goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh goodness. Yeah, I am not walking in your house. Okay. Yeah. Now you've just totally skeeved me out. Just because you've booked an appointment does not mean I'm going to actually perform the service for you. Right. Yeah. And that time I basically took the wussy way out and I simply said, Oh, hey. The water pump in my tub is not working. I got to go home and fix it. But I was passing by. I just thought I'd let you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll call and reschedule and totally ghosted him. Yeah. Never called again. And I will guarantee you, he was pretty sure he knew why I was not calling him back. As he should. I mean, some things are just inappropriate. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was so inappropriate. Can you imagine? Hey, you know what? The groomer came here and left and didn't groom the dog. You know what? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I answered the door and everything. And there I am standing in my underwear. And they're like, yeah, maybe that's why she left. Don't know. Um, but yeah, so I, I like this. I mean, today I'm thinking back on that. I probably would say if I would like like push my old self out of the way and say, listen, oh, this guy needs to know why I'm leaving. Yeah. Okay? I am not grooming your dog. You are inappropriate. You're answering your door in your very loose underwear. Yeah. Goodbye. Good luck finding another groomer. Yeah. Because it won't be me. (laughs) Guys, it's not going to be me. Well, that's another thing. I mean, whether you're a solo groomer or like you have a team or whatever, that customer is always right mentality. I mean, that was another 
one of the toxic traits that, you know, kept coming up and that I've experienced firsthand and you too, it's just like, you know, the customer is not always right. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they're always wrong, but like, you know, they don't get to treat you. you know, all, all of our team has the ability to say, I'm sorry, like, we don't talk to you that way. You're not going to talk to our team that way. Or, you know, this is what we expect out of a client. It's a mutual relationship. So like we respect expect respect. And that includes our time, like you showing up on time for your appointments, you being at home for your appointments, you not cussing, you not raising your voice. Like, you know, there's yep. professional ways and courteous ways to handle everything. And, you know, our, it's, and it's not just our industry, it's every industry has been so customers always right. Customers always right. And it's just like you, they're not like, you know, you have to set those boundaries, like of what you're going to tolerate and what you're not. And you need to be upfront about that. And you do like, you know, we let people know when we fire them as clients, why, you know, like we, we don't tolerate this, you know, and some, some we've had, you know, become super apologetic and then the groomer gets a bigger tip than they've ever gotten for the rest of their time. Or, you know, we don't let them come back. You know, it's in some, we don't even give the chance to try to make it right because what they've done is just so over the top, but they're used to being able to talk to service people that way and industry people and, you know, get away with it. So, I mean, for us, boundaries is really big and we don't, myself, I didn't, and we don't make our team deal with anyone they're not comfortable with, anyone that, you know, has been angry or rude, you know, where it's just uncomfortable or accusatory, you know, if you're going to accuse us of something or, you know, say you've never been happy with a groom, why are you still here two years later? You know, it's just once they get upset, they just throw out all this stuff and expect you to take it. And, you know, we don't have to take that. (laughs) No, we don't. And I can remember uh, a quote by, I was watching something with uh, Richard Branson was probably doing some sort of TED talk, but anyway, he was talking about his employees All right. And he said his employees were more important to him than his clients because it was his employees who were making him money. Yeah, I 100% agree. Happy employees. (laughs) But his employees, happy employees are happy to go to work. There's not the amount of training it takes to retrain somebody over and over again. And, And I'm sure there's a line there. All right. So employees that are rude to clients shouldn't be tolerated either. Correct. But the employees do make your business money. They should be treated with respect and not treated like they're a gallon of shampoo. Exactly. Yeah, I agree completely. And that goes kind of back to that culture that's so important to groomers. It's like, you know, they're not, they're not. They don't always get that. And whether, I mean, sometimes it's from the owner or sometimes it's just from, you know, if they're even self-employed, just letting themselves be treated like that by anybody. And it's just, I don't know, as groomers, like we have, I mean, one, it's a hard, it's a physical job, but this is a skilled labor. I mean, no, not everybody can just pick up some scissors and go to groom a dog. You know, it takes time, training, patience, you know, continuing education. You know, this is a skill and a trained skill. And I mean, it's something that groomers need to be proud of and, you know, make that known. You know, we're not just washing dog butts, you know, like this is a, this is a skill. It's a trade. It's, you know, you, people have these fabulous careers grooming dogs and, you know, then you just see that joy get sucked out. And it's like, you know, yeah. uh, that just again goes to me like the boundaries. And that's with whether it's with clients, whether it's with, 
you know, business owners, your boss, yourself, you know, for me, work-life balance is a boundary I struggle with still to this day. And it's like, you know, when I start getting overwhelmed or, you know, frustrated or just whatever, it's just like, okay, well, you know, I need a, I need to set my own boundaries. You know, I talk about it all the time, but when you have so much stuff going on and you're on a deadline and, you know, like we just built out our grooming salon, our boarding kennel. We started the podcast, the coaching, all, you know, all that vamped up this year. And it was just like, you know, we're at that point now. It's like, okay, let's schedule some downtime. Let's, you know, refocus, reset those daily schedules. What's important, you know, prioritize so you don't get run down. And I mean, that goes for, everyone at every level, I think of the, any industry, but, you know, specifically dog groomers. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things, I think one of the best things that happened to me as a groomer, when I first started is that my husband's job, he got five weeks of paid vacation a year. Wow. So like the first thing, yeah, I know that was great. Right. So the first thing I did when I got my appointment book for it was to put in five weeks of vacation, X them out in my, in my appointment book. They, those, those weeks were never available. All right. So I got into the habit right from the start of taking all of the time. It's not that we traveled five weeks a year. Maybe we traveled two weeks, but the other three weeks were, there was time off. Right. Yeah. You know, time off to, you know, do nothing. You do work in the garden make appointments that, you know, doctor's appointments, but not working. Right. Yeah. That's something that you, people forget to do. I just saw a a post in one of the groups the other day where a girl made her schedule for I think December. And she's like, Oh, do you see what I did here? And it was like, she scheduled herself, you know, six full days a week, the whole month of December. And I think November, you know, she was closed one day a week, but she forgot to even schedule herself in an off day throughout the week, you know, and it's just like, we have a habit of saying yes and, you know, building our clients. And then it's like, you get them and then you don't have, you don't have time to take a vacation because you're so full. Or what I used to do is, you know, I did all the things wrong when I started. I didn't know, you know, I, I had no boundaries. I worked seven days a week, anytime the customer needed, you know, some days I'd have 10 dogs, some days I'd have two. And, you know, I missed out on so much, was running myself ragged, didn't schedule time off. And it was like, when I finally did get to take like a, you know, a long weekend vacation, I worked so much up to it that then as soon as we got on vacation, I got sick because I was so run down and it was like, yep. you come home and you're just getting over that. And then you're working extra to make up the time you took off and yep. forbid you get sick or, you know, you have a vehicle issue or, you know, something that where you're down a couple days or a week or two. And I don't know, that was a hard learning thing. And it's just like, but you have to have that. Like you have to take care of yourself and schedule that downtime. Exactly. Days off. So what I started to do at one point was like not just go on vacation, come home, go back to work. I would take two days off, go away for a week, and then take two days off after that, then go back to work because I needed that decompressed time before going. Otherwise, I wasn't enjoying my vacation. Right. I would spend like two days in my vacation decompressing, and I've lost two days of vacation doing that. Yeah. And then coming home from vacation and then jumping back to work, not really giving your body a chance to recover from travel. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I learned the hard way, the, uh, the lesson about stop taking in new clients. I stopped taking in new clients when I was mobile grooming 
um, the last, the first week of November. So first week of November, November 1st forward, no new clients until mid-January. And the reason I did that, because I wasn't always doing that. I was like, yeah, you went to dog room? Sure. Yeah. I'll get you in. Money's good. Money is really good because we're just raking in the money left and right during the holidays because we're taking in people that maybe will never become good clients. I can't ever recall of taking somebody in last minute on the holidays and they becoming a good client. I cannot recall that ever happening. Yeah, it's definitely- So I can remember- I can remember like just throwing money on the table and at the end of the week accounting for everything because I couldn't do it every day. I was just exhausted. And uh, then, you know, it's the end of the year. So I had the bin of all the receipts to go into the bin and then start the new batch of of receipts. And then let's fast forward seven years because now I'm already doing this seven years. Okay. Fast forward seven years and I'm going back to that bin to like clear out some old receipts I no longer need. And I open up that bin and I'm going through the stuff. And you know what I find in that bin? What? Four $100 bills that I did not miss. <laughs> I was making so much money. Yeah. I was just glad there were no checks in there. Right? Yeah. Because it's been seven years. <laughs> oh All right. Four $100 bills. And I sat there and I realized, holy cow, I didn't even miss $400. Yeah. Okay. Um. And I think that is sort of for me was when the light bulb went off that, you know, I can't, can't do this holiday decorations. I love Christmas. I love the tree. I love putting the little snowman all over, all over my house. doing none of that. Yeah. Okay. Or if I did get it up, things weren't coming down to like March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can relate. Okay. Yeah. So I stopped. November 1st, after that point, no new clients. Um, and you know what? I never missed $400 ever again. Yeah. That's like, that makes a lot of sense too, because, uh, you know, the customers that most of ours are on a reoccurring schedule, but there's always the ones that don't, or they didn't realize their next appointment isn't until January and they want to work in. And I know we'd much rather work in one of our good, normal customers, you know, than someone who's never been with us. And like you said, they're probably either never going to come back or they're just not going to appreciate you the same as someone that's already, you know, is used to you and enjoys you and, you know, does appreciate you. And then you get them in and they're, you know, that's just like above and beyond to them at that point, you know? So that, that's a good thing. I haven't really thought about that, but Cause you know, we always have those customers. We just can't get in. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we have new customers on the books that we may never see again. And yeah, they got in, but now we're saying no to someone else. Yeah. So after that, it was, I changed the way I did things and like starting in August, September, all my current clients, Hey, listen, which do you need to have your pets done for both Thanksgiving and Christmas? Or is it some, some people having a new year's party yeah. when, do you want your pet done so that we can, I can get you in the correct week and then go back in the schedule so we even it out? All right. So if they were actually due before Christmas, but they didn't want the appointment before Christmas. They wanted it before New Year's. That changes the whole schedule. All right. So September, August, people have an idea of who's hosting what. Okay. Yeah. Are you hosting Thanksgiving or are you hosting Christmas? Are you doing both? 
Um, do you not care? They're like, you know what? You can give up my Christmas spot. I know I'm due before Christmas, but it's not really that important. If somebody else needs that spot, you can move me out. So I knew who I can move and who needed those holiday spots. And when you accommodate your clients in that manner, they are so appreciative of that. Yes, definitely. And you're, those are your good clients. That's not the person calling you New Year's Eve. My only one-star review ever from Yelp was a guy who called me Christmas Eve, like at 10 o'clock in the morning. And the only reason I answered the phone was to tell him I wasn't going to do his dog and he needed to find somebody else. But he left me a one-star review because I didn't accommodate him. And apparently I sounded tired when I answered the phone. Yeah, from people like you. (laughs) Yeah. Never. Yeah. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. Last Christmas Eve call you answered. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Next time. Yeah. Otherwise the one star would review would have been that she didn't even return my phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's always some some people you're just not going to be able to satisfy or make happy. Um, You know, I I read his. You what? I read his. I read his review and I left it up. I didn't. I was like, you know what? If anybody thinks this guy had a reasonable point here. I don't want him as a client. Yeah. They need to read that and keep moving. Yeah. That's when they, Oh my God, she's terrible. Let's keep going. (laughs) Yeah. We, um, we do our, you know, negative, we, we, you know, everyone's going to, everyone dreads that negative review or that low review. Oh, it's going to keep people from coming to me or, you know, it's completely false or whatever. And it's like, we actually reply, respond to those and reply to them. And, you know, sometimes I'll be so just upset, flabbergasted. I'll take a month to respond to someone because what I just want to initially put out is not what our brand needs to put out there, you know, and you, that's something to think about is we've actually gotten clients based on our negative review feedback, you know, because yes. politely and professionally address the situation, clarified, you know, did whatever, you know, we needed to do, but it wasn't just that aggressive. I'm right. You're wrong. This is unbelievable. You know, they actually see how we interact with a disagreement. And so they know if they ever have a disagreement, like they're going to feel comfortable coming to us because of how we responded. So yeah. In a reasonable manner. Yes. Yeah. Like bad reviews, like obviously they're not great, but you can actually turn that into like a positive thing for your yourself and, you know, your branding and your business and how you interact with conflict because, you know, that's not always the case. Yeah. I will always tell you, do not respond immediately to a negative review because you're going to respond with emotion. Yeah. There was a client that I wasn't happy about going to. Okay. And she was just a little out of my area, but she was, a friend of a friend of a friend type of thing. And it was snowing and it was, the winter was really bad. Um, and I was rescheduling a lot of people, not just her. Right. Okay. So it's snowing again. And I call her up and saying, listen, I have, we have to reschedule again. And it's not, she had Jack Russell Terriers. Okay. It's not that big a deal to go a little bit longer than normal for these dogs. Okay. And um, so I call her up and I tell her, we have to reschedule. It's snowing here again. And I live on, I live on top of the hill. So, you know what, if it's snowing where I'm at, I ain't going anywhere because I am not sliding down my own in my own neighborhood. Exactly. And she got really snarky with me. 
Okay. Well, it's not snowing here and just, just can't believe I'm rescheduling again, yada, yada, yada. All right. I'm like, all right. I have other people to call. Talk to you later. I ended up firing her via email and I had to write that email like four times. Yeah. <laughs> because the first email was basically, you suck, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I can't send that. Okay. It took about four and probably about a week and a half yeah. to do it, to fire her. Okay. And then she gave me a one-star review, not on my mobile grooming page, mind you. Okay. But she went over to my positive ed page and left a one-star review without saying why on it. Yeah. So she didn't comment. So I couldn't like reply to it. Right. It's like, you know what? Right. You're responding to the wrong thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were fired because you're, you're unreasonable. Okay. Yeah. But that was another business. It's not this business. Right. Yeah. We have yeah. that. We'll have someone upset either like at our mobile or our salon and they're in different cities. They're not even this, you know, it, it, operating in the same area and they'll leave reviews and it's like, well, you know, so-and-so they couldn't get me in or this and that. And it's just like, well, one, like we're not even in your city. So like our mobiles don't service this area. And, but again, it's just, I don't know. It's just for them to go and find something else that you're a part of just to bring you down when they're not, even. you know, I don't know. I have a love hate relationship with reviews, mainly hate. Like I love having those good <laughs> reviews, but you know, we had one time a team member quit. She gave a two-day notice, she's health reasons or whatever. So we went into, you know, one of the local Facebook groups we're in and we just said, hey, we're hiring. We have someone that gave a two-day notice. We have a full book of dogs day one, you know, no downtime. We can start you. We didn't put any details, even what unit it was or anything. And she got on and saw that and then just black. So she she saw that midday and then so she canceled all her appointments without telling us and then had everyone she knew go and leave um, a one-star review talking about how horrible we were on our other page and like it's taken I don't know three or four years to get part of those down but it's like you're not clients you never worked for us and it's like you know you can go in and dispute them and you can check all those as reasons but then they'll come back and say Oh, after we decided to leave this and try responding. So we'll put even a response about how I'm sorry, like you're not in any, you've never been a customer. We've never seen you. We've never met you. Like you're not an employee. And, you know, it's just like, so battling to get those off when they're not even related. I hate how the business owner has no control over that. And it's not even, you You can't even reach out to Yelp or Google or anything and talk to someone to try to explain your case. They don't care. And it's just like, you know, everyone gets so emotional and, you know, that's those bad reviews that they'll be upset over anything and they'll just post, post, post. And they don't think about like you're, these are small businesses that you're, you know, potentially ruining, harming over like probably 99% of the time, something that, you did wrong, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I could care. I wish that there was no reviews and that I'd rather have nobody see us almost than Cause that was just, again, that was a learning thing for me. It was before I knew and she was mad because I didn't put anything on there that she had quit 
for health reasons. And I was like, well, one, I didn't put anything about you, period. And two, like, there's this thing called a HIPAA law. Like, I can't put your personal information out there. So, like, nobody even knew that she was the employee that was quitting. And all of this negativity stemmed from that. So, it was just, I don't know, you just got to be so careful about what you say, what you post. And then in those reviews, like, you know, the last... Of course, I just wanted to fire off all this stuff at the, but you can't, you know, because anyone that sees that is going to see like you are, this is how you react. Like maybe what they're saying is true and, you know, things like that. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's tough to be in that spot because it is emotional when something that you've worked so hard for and that's your name and your brand and your business and to get those reviews. I mean, it is emotional, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it's also time consuming. Yeah. Do you not have better things to do in, as a business owner than to respond to false reviews? Yeah. Yeah. And it's never so. <clears throat> the one that actually, you know, something happened or you overbooked and had to call and reschedule and, uh, you know, apologized. And, you know, there's so many relationships you can save by handling it correctly, you know, just because you get sick or just because, it, you know, something broke and you have to reschedule or whatever, like that doesn't automatically mean a customer is going to be upset. It's all in how you handle it. You know, we've, we hear so many times that we'll get a customer and it's like, well, my last groomer ghosted me or they canceled and said they'd reschedule. And then I never heard from them again or, you know, things like that. And it's just like, I don't know. You can, you can just always handle stuff professionally. And that's our biggest thing. You know, sometimes having to reschedule makes your uh, same thing makes your relationship stronger because you came, you, you know, took ownership of it. And, you know, I don't know, there's just, there's, there's correct and incorrect ways to handle every situation. And like almost every situation that could potentially be negative, there's usually a way to turn that around. Yes. Okay. Um, at least to your benefit or yeah. at least explain the situation that that's going on. Yeah. And I guess in tone is huge and it's going to be really hard to retone into something that's printed. Yeah. All right. Um, which is why I love, there's two groups on Facebook. One is um, unmoderated tactful communications between pet professionals. And the other one is tactful communications between pet professionals. And they can somebody else who is not invested in your business, all right, has no emotional tie to your business, can help you craft a response it doesn't make you look like an idiot. Yeah. I've uh, I've I'm I'm part of that tactful one. I didn't know about that other group, the unmoderated one. So Yeah, it's, it's awesome. unmoderated. So uh on the, the 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 tactful one, it goes through admin has to approve the the post. Okay. Um but the other one you, they do not all posts go directly up. Um, I find both groups to be very very helpful. Um, and I watch how some things are worded because you know what it helps, it helps to see how other people are wording things like that is really good. I wish I could have thought of something like that. So, but anyway, there's two groups out there to help you do that. So again, so you're not responding emotionally to something that needs to be responded to in a business-like manner. Oh yeah. Those are, those are. That's a good suggestion. Thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) All right. So we are go. We are already past an hour. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. I'm going to tell you. I enjoyed this. (laughs) 
Okay, so I'm good. How I like to end up all the okay. po- all my podcasts. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom for our listeners. Uh, the biggest things I have, I guess, are to set boundaries, um, know your finances, um, and make sure you're setting that work-life balance. Like to me, those are some of the biggest things that we found that just stress. Uh, people out and then make them overwhelmed. So it's like, make sure you're taking time for yourself. Make sure you understand where your money needs to go and just make sure to set those boundaries for yourself with customers, with the dogs you're going to do. Um, and just really, you know, create an, an environment that you enjoy being a part of and going to work every day. Yes. Thank you. All right. So this was fun. All right, so we're gonna we're saying goodbye from both women petpreneurs and the podcast. Yes, thank you guys.